The following podcast contains subject matter that may be unsuitable for more sensible viewers. Views expressed here do not reflect that of any community that you would want to be a part of. Listener discretion is mandatory. Mama, what this means me? No, 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 no. So, so we, what was this about Space Jam? Just the humor in Space Jam holds up a lot better than you would think it would, and it has like actually like superb pacing for a comedy. It's a really? lot better than you remember it. For me, like Space Jam is one of these movies, sort of like Rocky Horror, that I watched, mm-hmm. and like aesthetically, it's stuck in my mind very strongly. But as a movie. Like as a film and as a story, almost none of it was retained. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, well, I remember. I, I remember the feeling of Space Jam or Rocky Horror, and I remember the aesthetic, and I re- like remember being very drawn to it. Um, but then, like the actual plot details, kind of just flow through well, me. Well, get ready because uh, pretty soon we're gonna have another generation that's not gonna know about Shrek. Like none of those references are gonna fly to kids in like the Zoomers. The I Zoomers. Mean, like, I I barely remember Shrek. I'm I'm sort of a zoomer. So on, like on, zoomer on this on, on, on this episode, we're doing Shrek. <laughs> Welcome to yes. Tranifesto, the number one Shrek podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a massive pivot and just talk oh about Shrek God. every <laughs> single episode. It's just a year's worth of Shrek, and, oh and we have to watch it every time. Yeah, exactly. Like the, we the we eyes. don't watch it once and talk about it over and over. We watch it every single time on this week of Tranifesto, we watch shrek on pcp uh yeah our observations watch, may surprise you watch shrek on different drugs and report with your experience <laughs> somewhere the ketamine episode another podcast is born welcome back to this week's episode of Tranifesto on this very ooh, spooky yes spooky halloween episode special halloween yeah. double feature on Except this, the day of feature. October 31st. That's right, folks. It's Pride 2, Electric Spookaloo. I am one of your ghoulish hosts, Madeline Hobbs. I'm joined today by... Amy. I'm Amy. No, you have to have a spooky... No, no. You have to have a spooky name. I don't... What? Amy with, like, those goth emojis that you put in your Twitter <laughs> URL. Like a bat and, like, a sparkle and, like, a coffin. You know, you're just the person who walks around. I don't know how to pronounce this. And just says you're a wine mom. And then we have one more person. Where are they? And I'm the zombie. Oh, there we go. That's the content I sign up for. Awful. I get, yeah. (laughs) I hate Halloween. Halloween is not my scene. Wow, that's sacrilegious. Um, Anyways, yeah. uh, So today on the the Halloween episode of Tranifesto, the show that made us decide to start doing this fucking podcast along with uh the danish girl um and the the show that probably has uh, i would say probably one of the largest pedigrees uh of any uh film we've reviewed or any series and that is the cult classic shrek uh, 2 was, yeah sh- <laughs> shrek 2 wait i watched shrek are we supposed to watch shrek 2 <laughs> fuck <laughs> take the 1975 musical comedy horror film the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes, that's right, folks. It's time to do time warp Finally. again. I feel like we we started this podcast like a year ago. Yeah, and we're getting doing close Rocky to. Horror was. I feel like it was a year ago, and doing Rocky Horror was like a big part of the plan. 
I believe what we said was is that we would start with shittier films and work our way up to Rocky Horror. Uh, well, which means that less we, important films and try to figure yeah. out what we're doing and get better at yeah. this. I don't know that we, we have, wa- but we are now stumbling into Rocky Horror anyway. <laughs> we're just as intoxicated as we were the first time. And uh, yeah, I mean, like we wanted to build up a, a, our own audience before we lost some of them to what I'm sure to be is a uh, going to be an interesting Political episode. factionalism. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this, this is why the left has no unity. Because of this movie. And speaking of this movie, I'd like to turn it over to Amelia, who's going to give us a drunken summary. Yes, I will do my best. So, Rocky Horror Picture Show revolves around these two characters named Brad and Janet. Damn it. Who are kind of like the cishat stand-in characters who are like stereotypical... Like, They're like mannequins you'd find in the gap. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like stereotypical white cishat couple who are getting engaged or got engaged because they felt like they were supposed to and they're going to go and get married together and they do this at a wedding and then after the wedding um, where they Which got engaged... Which is such a faux pas. Never do that. Such, yeah, never, no, embarrassing. Never shameful. get engaged at a wedding. That's just terrible. Oh god, that reminds me of the recent Revolutions episode about how um, Nicholas and Alex, Alex Romanov like got engaged at a wedding and like totally stole everyone's attention to them. This is irrelevant. <laughs> so, you know, tune in for the you're, you're breaking the first rule. Don't like talk about better podcasts on your <laughs> podcast. <laughs> then we can't so, talk about any podcasts. When they're leaving the wedding where they got engaged, they take a wrong turn and hit a dead end and their car gets a flat and they decide to go to this mansion that they drove past to use the phone. Mansion, castle, kind of like this, you know, gothic horror um, thing. You can imagine it. It's raining. It's Scottish it, also, is, isn't it in like fucking like West Texas or whatever? Or is there yeah, another Denton? Isn't it in Denton? Okay, so yeah, Denton, known for its gothic castles. <laughs> yeah. So they got to this castle. This, this creepy sort of Igor-esque guy called Riff Raff invites them into the Mansion. Played by played by Richard O'Brien, the like, creator to. and director. Yeah, we will get to O'Brien. Yeah, we will That's discuss just, him just, as a character. Yeah. As the English once said, we'll get to the Irish. <laughs> Riff Raff invites them in. They are shepherded into this big queer musical party. By the way, it's a musical. I don't know if we mentioned that. So they, it's this big sort of flamboyant queer party. They. As you do. To leave, but Brad still wants to use the phone. Um, then this guy shows up named Dr. Frankenfurter. Yes. Played, played by, by the legendary Tim Curry. Our king. Um, oh, absolutely. Can. And can we all agree that the true star of this movie was Tim Curry's legs? Oh, God, yes. I, I wish I had legs that good. So Tim Curry sings a song, um, Sweet Transvestite from Transsexual Transylvania iconic iconic very important moments um they and then he shepherds them and everyone else into his lab where he unveils to see what's his, on the slab to see what's on the slab he unveils his creation um who is basically frankenfurter was trying to um create scientifically the perfect top because there was there, there were no tops in this queer mansion. This was a time before protein powder was readily available. That really fixed the problem for a lot of people. And so he did some Frankenstein shit to create the perfect top. 
named Rocky Horror. Um, and so Rocky Horror is this like dumb sort of brain dead model guy who is like Frankenstein's monstery. Um, but then Frankenfurter's ex-lover Eddie comes and does a cool song and gets everyone excited, including Rocky. Played by Meatloaf. Meatloaf did Played the. Played by uh, Meatloaf, yes. Yeah. King. Wait, um, King. We, we stand. We stand a meat king. But Frankenfurter gets jealous because Rocky gets excited, um, so he murders him with an axe, and says that he had a naive charm like, but like, no like muscle. An, it was with a, it was an ice pick actually. Oh I, yes, good. Let she who is out without sin cast the first stone. We've all been there. <laughs> it was a mercy killing because he had a naive charm but no muscle. I.e., he was a switch who pretended to be a top. Many many great people have killed their ex lovers with an ice pick. Uh, Frankenfurter. Stalin. <laughs> so after murdering, Fred Rogers. after murdering Eddie in front of everybody, um, everyone kind of goes to bed. As you do. Brad and Janet are get separate rooms. Frankenfurter, in, in their separate rooms, sneaks in and pretends to be both Brad and Janet. So he sneaks into Janet's suite and pretends to be Brad. Once again, played by the legendary with her. We will discuss this. Yes. Um, she realizes it's Frankenfurter actually in protest, but then suddenly she's actually into it and they like fool around. And then Frankenfurter does the same thing to Brad, pretending to be Janet, who also realizes it's Frankenfurter and is like, I thought it was the real thing. But then they like fool around anyway, because Brad is, I guess, secretly. They're both gay. horny, horny people. They're just and that's super okay. horny people. Yeah, super horny people. Meanwhile, Riff Raff is, like, tormenting Rocky Horror and, like, releases him into the mansion. Tormenting him with a candle. I, it wasn't clear to me why he did this, but... Yeah, there's this, like, yeah, animosity that... between Riff Raff and Frankenfurter that's, like, kind of hard to follow. I mean, that's kind of, like, queer friendships in general, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, all of yeah. this, all of this is beef. a metaphor. All of this is a metaphor for, like, a big, nasty queer polycule. Yes, exactly. And like, you join the polycule like Rocky, and you're like confused as to why everyone's mad at each other, <laughs> and you just like fuck everybody. Yeah, the Venn diagram of poly people and people who like this movie is practically like a circle. There's like exes among exes, just kind of who like they aren't fucking anymore, but they're still living in the same house, even though yeah. they're not dating anymore. But they're still part of the same. Oh god, thing. don't 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 talk about this to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's too real. It's too real. Um, among us. So, whatever. you're having flashbacks right now, aren't you? You're just so, like traumatized by the thought of it. Janet, after fooling around with Frankenfurter, finds Rocky being all tra- like traumatized and upset about being tormented by Riff Raff. Uh, Riff Raff, of course, played by the rapper. <laughs> uh, he goes by Little Raff. Thank and you very much. She is a virgin, apparently, and also insanely horny, and so she fucks Rocky. Because um, she's just fucking everybody. <laughs> to be fair, well, to be fair, like, virgins are, like, the horniest people on the planet. Yeah, this whole, the whole movie is, like, it is just Susan Sarandon getting more and more horny. Oh, and yeah, then, and absolutely, we do stand with Susan Sarandon. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. queen. 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 This guy, like, Everett Scott, who is this, I guess, FBI UFO investigator. Shows up at the castle um, once again, as you do. Who is also Eddie's uncle, and also what a guy. Brad's former high school science teacher. Because you know everyone knows each other in these circles. It's you know that's how once it is. Once again, 
Maybe this is just a pro-poly movie. So it's awkward because Frankenfurter is mad that that the cops showed up um, to crash his party. But they all go to dinner. It's a super awkward dinner. They do a musical number. Um, and like mourn Eddie, but then Frankenfurter reveal, reveals that they were actually eating Eddie's corpse. Um, they kind of <gasps> everyone so freaks good. out. Janet like runs away. Everyone kind of runs around. They winds up in Frank's lab, where he turns them all into statues, and then Frankenfurter dresses them all up to do like a cabaret show musical number, yeah, and turns them back into people, and they do a fun musical number, and then. Riff Raff and Magenta, who I guess I didn't name Magenta as one of the Polycule members. Also, also Columbia is there. Columbia is yeah. there too. <laughs> they stop the song to reveal that all of these, like the Polycule are actually like aliens from the planet Transsexual. From the galaxy the- of Transylvania. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they will now return home, but Frankenfurter's like, oh no, I must go home. But they're like, no, you're not going home. We're going to kill you. Yeah, because he failed the mission. Yeah. He had one fucking job, and that was to make the perfect top. And and he failed because Rocky is too emotional to top yeah. anybody. And also, he doesn't <laughs> smoke jewels. Jewels are for bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> top smoke wanna... cigarettes. <laughs> this, episode so... brought you, this episode brought to you by Jewel Pods for bottoms. And <laughs> <laughs> so... The jewel pot is what I name my ass. Anyways, the, the alien usurpers murder Frankenfurter, and then Rocky freaks out and mourns Frankenfurter and like climbs up a tower like King Kong, but then they shoot him down, so they both die, and then everyone runs away, and the aliens return to transsexual, and Brad and Janet leave, and that's like the end of the movie. And uh, it's perfect. Well, it's not the end of the movie uh, in terms of its effect on uh, society. So like, yes, today's episode... God, explaining the plot of that movie is so weird, because it's definitely yeah. not like a coherent narrative. No, it is not. And it's, more of like a, it's more about like the vibe than any actual yeah. plot points. But yeah, like I, I was thinking about this. Like I really did not remember the plot of this movie at all, even though I've no. seen it like twice before this. Because when you see this movie, as we will get to... You don't, you don't watch, like, it's so depressing. It was so depressing sitting alone in my bedroom watching Rocky Horror Picture, Picture Show. Like, that is not the environment where anyone consumes this media. Yeah, because well, I, wa- I watched it with a um, friend of the show, Devlin, who had never seen it before. So, which was, oh, yeah. that, that was what a they experience. Uh, it was, they, they're like, they had no idea what to expect, and that wasn't it, and the problematic parts were, the obviously problematic parts were problematic, but otherwise it was fun and good and good, mostly. All right. Yeah, perfect. So uh, just to kind of go over the today's episode, because it's going to be a little different uh, because of the magnitude of this movie, uh, we're going to bring it down into two sections. The first part, we are going to discuss the movie as it is, uh, but then we would also like to spend a good portion of the episode going over the culture that came after it, the post-Rocky yes. world. Yes, you can kind of, like it, like 9-11, you can kind of divide history into pre-Rocky horror and post-Rocky horror. Yeah, you can yeah. split it into one of two towers. Yeah, exactly. And just like Lion 11, it's because people were incredibly horny. Sorry, I get horny for the Twin Towers. They're just oh. so erect. Oh. Yeah. So let's Anyways, talk about yes. the movie, the text, which is definitely not the primary part of this movie's impact, I feel. But it is no. worth discussing. Yeah. And so the first person that we should probably discuss that everyone is probably expecting us to discuss. So let's just get this out of the way real quick. Frankenfurter. The Dr. character. Frankenfurter. Yeah, doctor. Dr. Sorry, Frank I have to respect their time at fake medical school. Furter. So that character has probably, it is, uh, they are the, well, he is the iconic character of this movie. Uh, whenever one yes. thinks of Rocky Horror, you think of this character in particular. Whenever, like, 30% of people think of trans women, they think of Frankenfurter. 
well, which this is, is kind a, of what we should get into. Yeah. yeah. So this is so so uh, there is a okay. So there's quite a uh, there's going to hear a couple different opinions today. Mine is is that based on everything that I've seen. Um, Frankenfurter was never supposed to be taken as a trans woman. Mm-hmm. Um, according to the official Rocky Horror Wiki, uh, and basically a couple places for, off Wikipedia, Rocky is a cross-dresser, uh, not necessarily a trans woman. And so the issue that arises with people going, well, that's a trans woman, and, it's, and I'm sorry, but Fox did not do themselves any favors by having Laverne Cox do it a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but really, I think uh, that was a terrible move, but that's neither here nor there. Moment. We're talking about... Th- <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a moment. Can we do that one as like its own separate episode? Yes, we will. Yeah, and also, maybe. yeah, fucking Kylie Jenner, whatever the fuck. Um, but I think it was the issue here is a really good example of highlighting the faults of a public seeing this and and seeing what they want to see, because the character itself was written in a way that was crossdresser. I never really saw them like I don't know. Like I I watched this movie for a long time. I'm 32 years old, so I've seen it for a long time. And I never thought as Frankenfurter as a transgender character. I never saw it when it was finally pointed out to me that they were. Mm-hmm. My my response was, I guess. Like, if you want to see that, I absolutely see how you could. Yeah. But for the most part, I just saw them as a cross-dresser or more of a symbol of sexual liberation from a frustrated male perspective. Yeah. Well, it's in the, sort of in the same way that... Like, because the only people who think... Because, like, in the original text isn't trans. Nothing in... Nothing about it indicates as being related to transgender well, and even like the, cre- like the create transsexual well, crea- thing well yeah um, but i mean i think is, that, that like is kind just of kind of throwaway yeah um, and like the author who i mean we can get into a little bit more later like kind of like self-identified as transgender a little bit but then but also had kind oof. of a complicated definition of that but it's sort of in the same way that people say trans oh that's like like kind of like drag queens right where it's yeah. From a, if you have a limited perspective, you just kind of your idea fills the most the largest available empty vessel in your head, and so you just kind of conflate the two things. Yeah. So yeah, although so what I would say about that is also that this is the '70s, and I feel like it, it's giving both the movie too much credit and too little credit to just be like, well, Frankenfurter was just a transvestite, like the archetypal transvestite cross. Well, exactly. Um, because. In that historical moment, I think that there was less of a clear distinction in a lot oh, of people's minds, absolutely. including people's minds within the community. Um, mm-hmm. there, like cross-dressing and drag were not necessarily these distinct, discrete. They weren't as separate as they are a now. A lot of people that they are now, yeah. they certainly were separate. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that there were no like true trans trans women in the 1970s, but I would say that this sort of gender fluidity and playfulness with gender and cross-dressing, it had different implications then, and there well, was less of a clear distinction. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, like, you have to keep in mind, too, the time frame in which the film came out, much like you said. Like, the mm-hmm. film came out uh, the decade after the 60s. We went from having, like, free love on LSD to still free love, but on cocaine. Uh, so, of course, the sexual exploration is a bit more fucky. Uh, the characters themselves, like, I, I think a lot of people, like, it was, it was, it was the, the prototype one, if you will, of sexual exploration. The film mm-hmm. itself, too, is supposed, by the director, or by the writer's own admission, is a love letter to classic, uh, or is a, it's a queer love letter to classic mm-hmm. horror. And I think by putting Frankenfurter in there, I think, as, it's, uh, as ironic as it is that the uh, writer played Riff Raff, I think uh, 
the was it I don't know Frankenfurter was almost like the example of what could be or mm-hmm. or like the hyper version of it or even possibly the writer exploring that within mm-hmm. himself um, because the other thing too is like and the part that I found refreshing is like other than Brad and Janet who kind of gave side eye initially to uh, Dr. Frankenfurter at the beginning none of the characters really seem to have problem yeah. with Frankie dressing the way that he does uh, which also is, I think, is a positive. And one thing I wanted to pause and kind of go back to is, like, this idea of, you know, how at the time, like, the way that we are using a modern lens to view it. Uh, one thing to look at is the song that's kind of, like, the climax of the of the whole thing is the um, the Rose Tint My World song, which uh, yes. Frank Frankenfurter kind of specifically, like, explains his, like, journey to his identity, like, which is, I just pulled up the lyrics, like, Whatever happened to Faye Ray, who was, like, the lead actress in King Kong, which kind of makes the King Kong reference make more sense. But, yeah, that delicate satin f- mm-hmm. that delicate satin draped frame that clung to her thigh, I started to cry, I wanted to be dressed just the same, which is, like, a very, like, that could take you to just being a, like, you know, extravagant cross-dresser, but also, like, a lot of trans people are going to see some view in that saying oh shit that's like that's what i want to do like well exactly it's, you can say the same words and people can draw interpretations from it i mean film is just an artistic medium and it's just like a painting yeah. two people can walk at the same painting and take wildly different things outside of it because we are projecting part of ourselves onto there and not to put too fine a point on it but there are those in the trans community that have an uncomfortable relationship with those who cross-dress because of the lack of education on the side of the public that the two groups often get lumped into like into one another. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same problem that we see here. Like Frankenfurter is a mm-hmm. prime example of that. Yeah, because People... Frankenfurter is like this fault line, I think, where yeah. that tension between like cross-dresser and like transgender does like make a lot of people have weird relationships or interpretations right. to this character. Uh-huh. Um, but I, so I'm looking at the uh, lyrics yeah. again, and just to think about, in the same way that, you know, tra- like other versions of being trans and being gender nonconforming are projected onto Frankenfurter, I think that also kind of the idea that transition is like a fetish and oversex and, and inherently sexualized is also sort of projected because, just kind of going back to what you said, I'm looking at the lyrics, like, the, like that f- is followed up by you know, give yourself over to absolute pleasure. This is basically mm-hmm. about how autogynophilia is good, actually. Which is obviously, <laughs> yeah. like, kind yeah. of polarizing because that's something that people project negatively. But the idea is that this is somebody who, you know, embraced femininity and androgyny and took it to a, like, sexual place and is thriving on it. hypersexual place, but is, like, thriving yeah, on it. And that, is, like... Yeah wants to share that with other people and wants to cre- and wanted to create a environment where like everybody can just enjoy hyper sexualized like gender like cross gender stuff and that's why i was saying like i i view this more like in the character of Ro- of um of dr frankenfurter as more of a sexual liberation mm-hmm. icon rather than a queer yeah. icon and like, sexual the, liberation the film- is a big theme yeah, because, like, I mean, the film, yes, it has been embraced by the queer community as well, and plus, one of ours. Cause, because uh, sexual is liberation is part of, like, the well, queer journey. Well, embraced and yes. pushed away. Yeah, but it's, it's and like, yeah, like, yeah, sexual liberation and queer journey have some overlap. But I think that was, at least from what I see and what I take away, like, that was the main purpose of it. And mm-hmm. like, like we said, there's a queerness, there's an overlap with it. So those two just happened, no matter how you slice it, those two would have to 
because I guess through the lens of the 1970s, like degeneracy was de- degeneracy. So for someone enjoying sexual pleasure to such a heightened degree was diff- was just the same as like I don't know two dudes going at it. Degeneracy is decadence. Yeah, exactly. And decadence so, is degenerate, and so to be like queerness is decadence. And exactly. So and and the way that the film is structured too, like it's an absurdist world. Like I mean, there's what like so I don't what, know. we start seems, off seems pretty normal. Normal. Yeah, Friday. plausible. Yeah, I mean, like if we're going to quote lyrics, I'm going to quote some uh, from uh, one of the things where they said, uh, "Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me." Uh, I want to be dirty. Yes, and and that's like a big theme. It's like giving yeah. into your sexual impulses and fucking and being horny, and which just, again, like, it's it's the '60s, but they found cocaine. Now. Well, I mean, set, like, that's set, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the '70s are just basically that you had the you had the like Hunter S. Thompson did a really good job of recording of like the burnout of the deadbeats of the '60s, like the hippies. That were supposed to win, and then they didn't, and like that demise up to the 1980s, and like this is basically yeah, what this is. Coke, so we're yeah, no, fuck a lot at least, even if there's like the Iraq War still, or not the Vietnam War. <laughs> 1960s all was just like like love yourself. It's like white guy dreads. It's perfect, and then like you have this come along, and it's just literally a touch of cocaine. Like everyone's more hyper and just over top. Yeah, but also if you if you don't already have like a comfortable and complex relationship with your sexuality, then it's easy to take this and then spread it out over onto other things. Like if you don't, if you're, if you're not a sexually liberated person going into this, you might, it's easy for you to just throw your perception of this onto people that you see as like sexually degenerate. Yeah. As embodying this. So I feel like we can't talk about, just like I don't think we can talk about sex positivity as like a cultural force without talking about its more fraught aspects. I feel like we can't talk about the, this movie as a sexual liberation story without talking about its own dubious territory oh, in that yeah. regard. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I we'll, we'll 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 get to like I guess this is still in relation to the uh, to movies. So like I, I um, before just kind of taking a pause from like the entry point and low bar ideas. Um, yeah. There is there is a with the 1970s, I mean, like, like Animal House was around that time, I think shortly after, and the whole fucking, like, Revenge of the Nerds shit, where it's just, the like, yeah. rape as a joke, it's just, I'm sorry, like, as much as I love this movie, even I'm willing to admit, those scenes, as funny as I want them to be, are uncomfortable and gross. No, it's, it's really gross. I mean, consent in this movie just isn't a mm-hmm. thing. Like, they take off their yeah. clothes when they get there, like, get into the mansion, and then... Obviously, there's that scene where Frankenfurter mm-hmm. deceives them both into fooling around with him, which, like, it's just like really like indefensibly. Oh, yeah, which sucks gross. because I mean, you could imagine you could oh, imagine that there's probably a better way to do it. Because I like the conclusion where they're like, uh, "Oh, actually, you know what? I'm I'm actually not as stuck up as I, I thought I was, and actually, I'm gonna like fool around with this weirdo." Like, I like that conclusion, but like the yeah, like the it's basically yeah. like you know. Like well, coercion to sex under false pretenses is not funny. Yeah, which is yeah. which is like what, like I said, it's like a revenge of the nerds plot where it's just basically like you know some guy pretending to be some other guy sneaks into bed and sleeps with the girl, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. "Good job, dude!" Like I hate. Yeah, it's a trope, and it's a terrible trope, and it's a trope that has not dated well yeah, by see, anyone's standard. I feel like it's not just a trope, though. Like it's not just the revenge of the nerds thing. I feel like it's also an aspect of like the sex positive culture that was happening in the 60s and 70s Mm. and a lot of people still cling to where like to be not down is to be sex Mm -hmm. negative 
And so consent becomes this thing that is both unnecessary and almost like indicative of some kind of sex negative attitude. Like if you're sex positive and if you're liberated, you're going to want to fuck. And like you, you it's good. It's good to force people to like do these things that they might not do otherwise without some pressure because it's part of sexual liberation dude so like you know isn't it great that frankenfurter yeah it manifests in this way that like Um, you kind of think of sexual liberation as being an incredibly like in your head it's very feminine but like this like represents like how at the time it was still very masculine dominated this idea that like you know if you're not down with male initiated like sex under their own terms you're sex negative and it's like not even necessarily tied into the sort of feminist sex positivity mm-hmm. that you want it to be in your head yeah mm-hmm. yeah no there 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 is like i mean consent culture wasn't really a big discussion until like the 2000s which is you know it's a shame but that i guess it was just like this is a very good reflection of the time where that was just not a thing that was on people's minds it doesn't make it right it's just that was not on people's minds at all it definitely wasn't part of the broad cultural conversation mm-hmm. um and it's it's for me it's really hard to dissociate the sort of sexual liberation themes of this movie from its issues with consent because i feel like they mm-hmm. kind of come from the same place well it's and i agree and i mean there's i don't know sexual like sexual consent was one of those things that's taken about 50 years to have this weird a maturation period because like you had the 1960s which was like i said you know the lsd free love movement the hippies that kind of stuff and like that was like that was kind of the first go at it because if you think in the 1950s there wasn't really much in the way of sexual liberation i think they were still giving women like hand jobs for fucking hysteria um but <laughs> what? <laughs> wait you don't remember this um, Reese, some women have penises okay. <laughs> 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 your face, Madeline. Can you just you just re- repeat that with your with repeat your phrasing? No, I stand by it. Look, so like the 1950s was not a great place for sexual liberation, and the 1960s was when the conversation started. It's a weird thing to square, and I'm not quite sure how I square it myself because I'm not sure how I'm not sure I have even an answer for it yet. Yeah, which is the I mean- idea that. Which is that, like, this is where we started, and we started by saying, okay, since sexu- like sexuality is so taboo, let's have everything. And then it was only 50 years later that we started getting caught up to the fact of, like, well, what what is the impact of this on people in terms of, like, a negative sense? Yeah, and, like, sexual liberation was just a positive good and should always be encouraged. And this was, like, this is, like, an expression of that, of, like, look how fun and decadent we can be when we let our inhibitions go away. It's a very, like, Roman Greek-esque of, like, just, like, fuck everyone at the fucking baths. Yeah. As they did. And, no, it's, like, it's not a critique of the movie, per se. Like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it is, but I don't think that this is, like, I'm not trying to say that this movie is cancelled. No, and and I think that's, I think that's a really good point to touch on. It's just, like, movies can have problematic things. And, like, I I admit, as a fan of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. What's that, um... Oh, the Anita Sarkeesian line? Zoe Quinn? Yeah. What's that Anita Anita Sarkeesian line that ContraPoints always quotes? You can... It's it's important to, even if you like something and enjoy something, to be critical about it, which she says in every single, basically every single video. Yeah. People forget about. Yeah, well, yeah. Fucking neckbeards. Sorry. Continue. Yeah, that that, that was a no-win scenario. Um, But yeah, it's... 
like that, uh, that's exactly it like you i enjoy this and i also know there's parts that are problematic i also know that this is like a fucking for lack of a better term it's like it's 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 grease for sex freaks like it's just everyone gets in and kind of jumps on uh, there's caricatures, and that actually kind of leads me to another point we want to talk about, which is uh, Brad and Janet as cishet uh, inserts. Yeah, uh, and their kind yes. of journey through the film. Also, so, yeah, if I, sorry, if I wanted to, I, want, I just want to pause quickly. Just one last note on what we were just talking about: the mm-hmm. current queer yeah. community is not immune from that type of hi- hypersexuality. God, yes. Consent, consent oh, as no. implied. That, yeah. Yes. Our our Discord has a strict no no but horny policy. I I, I think we we have, um, I'm just saying we have all I think a lot of people who have been in the trans community for long enough have encountered other trans and queer people oh. who take. So we're gonna do this, eh? Overt hypersexuality as yeah. given without doing yeah. the oh, like, absolutely. work. Yeah. Let me talk about this. It's that we pre, pre, yeah, we going to do this? Okay. Predatory so, trans behavior. Let's, uh, no, let's not just talk trans about... behavior. It's not even just in the queer community. No, because it's like, this is it's... a bad thing. This is pretty bad in the gay community as well. Yeah, so this is predatory behavior. It's also bad in like the, among leftists, like it's, it's sex positivity and also increasingly sort of ethical, ethical non-monogamy. Um, yeah, become Aside these, isn't consent. Become these pretexts for hypersexuality, which is fine. It's fine to be hypersexual, but it's not fine to encourage hypersexuality in others when they aren't necessarily comfortable with it. It's not fine to act like hypersexuality or polyamory or free love or sexual liberation is necessarily praxis and so it is a positive good all the time and that is an issue all over this community where just because you're super horny does not mean there's consent where hypersexuality and fucking a lot and being really cavalier with sex becomes the expectation and when we have a community full of vulnerable people i mean the queer community the trans community but also like leftist communities full of vulnerable marginalized people that kind of attitude, that kind of expectation is really dangerous. It's really toxic oh, yeah. because a lot of people feel pressured or pushed into sexual and relationship positions they really would not choose to be in. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think this is this, like there's parts in this movie and the really uncomfortable parts kind of reflect yeah. that, which is, oh, just the, which is just like the idea of like, you know, there's, there's this weird romanticized version of sexual assault, I find, which is just the no, 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 okay. Like, I, yeah. I don't, it's, it is, it is something that it's, like, again, it's a romanticized version of it that I have not enjoyed for as long back as I can remember. And I don't, and I, and I really do hate that that is still somewhat of a trope that exists today. Mm-hmm. Um, not as much as it used to, I, I'll give it that, but it's still something that shows up and it's still it's very much in the community as well it's like just because you're queer does not mean you say yes it's yeah. you could be hypersexual that's great that does not mean that other people are like you know i will i will fight you know, violently for your right to masturbate and it can't be the expectation because when it's the expectation a lot of people who are vulnerable and marginalized and have a lot of trauma have trouble with boundaries and are easily pushed and that's not their fault, but it's very easily exploited by predators. And yeah. so you wind up in these situations where 
when it is expected, those people get taken advantage of. Yeah. And so when sexual liberation becomes like the, the norm and the, I mean, I, I struggle to find a word other than praxis, right? To kind of express what it is, which is, it's like the, the activist position. It's the right thing. It's the moral good. It's really dangerous and really toxic. And agreed. Sorry, there's my there's my. But also, like to yeah, but then to all to continue to kind of view this as a reflection of a queer community. We can talk about Brad and Janet as normies entering a queer community. Yes. Yeah, or even a positive one, but yes. So Um, Brad and Janet are these perfect stand-ins for how cishet people interface with queerness. Like, it's, it's yeah. beautiful. It is a beautiful depiction of this. Yeah, it's, uh, I genuinely, this is kind of a tropey thing that shows up where, um, in queer cinema, where they take the, like, they realize that most of their audience is going to be straight folk. So they, like, bring them along for the ride by literally inserting them into the film. Um, yeah, it's Brad or, like, and Janet. You're Brad and yeah, Janet. Exactly. And so, like, you're watching through their eyes. So, like, at the time, too, like, even the reactions in terms of, like, disgust or, like, the guy trying to keep it together while he's in his fucking underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, like, all of those are like this is it it's weird this is almost like queer horror at its or sorry queer humor uh in terms of like what we do in terms of making fun of cishets yeah or just but like how it's like we 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 have different terms for it but i think that was like version one it's like the equivalent of putting on khakis and going like oh i'm going out to get milk today like i I guess about playing golf watching sports (laughs) watching the game how are my stocks doing is it going to be the brown shoes or the black shoes for today (laughs) What racist sports team will I cheer for today? So yeah, it's it's I like the idea of Brad and Janet as around along for the yeah. ride because it's also like it's just like you know thema- thematically it works. There's this fun dynamic between these two characters where they do this thing that a lot of sociopath people will do when they're interacting with queerness that they're kind of uncomfortable with but also kind of intrigued by, where they do this performative repulsion or like disavowal. Um, while they really don't actually want to leave. Like, yeah. Janet will be like, Janet will be like, Brad, I think it's time to go. While Brad is like, no, no, let's stick around. It's fine. And then they'll like switch roles completely where Brad is the one who wants to leave and Janet is the one who wants to stay. And they go back and forth and they both do this performative disavowal. Hello? Hello? Oh, did we lose Amy? No! That's when she realized the podcast was coming from inside the hut. Rain, what the hell are you doing? I'm trying to fix your fucking podcast. No, I told you. No, it's fine. Listen, listen, listen. Amy's mic gave out uh, partway through recording. Uh, her internet actually uh, shit the bed. So uh, to all of our fans and listeners, uh, we apologize. This is going to be a two-parter. Uh, but we already sent this out over the, the Twitter rain. So I think people are going to be okay with this. You can probably comment down. Besides, I can fix this. It's, it's totally Mom, you can't even fix a burnt out light bulb. Anyways, folks, I'll see you next week. Daddy, hit that music. No, you don't get to say that. I get to say that. This is the podcast that I help. <laughs>